Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Thursday, February 29th, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. In weather news, Riverside is experiencing a pleasantly mild end to February with today's temperatures peaking at 60.7 degrees and dipping to a low of 54.6 tonight. Turning to the stories we're covering today, the Supreme Court is set to make a pivotal decision on former President Donald Trump's claim to immunity from criminal charges stemming from the Capitol attack. The outcome could have major implications for the accountability of high-ranking officials. On the environmental front, we'll dive into how California is grappling with the dual aspects of stormwater, challenges in managing its influx and the potential for it to be a golden opportunity for water resource management. And in health and science, the development of genetically modified pigs is unlocking doors to alleviate organ transplant shortages, but it's not without stirring debate. We'll explore the breakthroughs as well as the ethical quandaries this advancement has introduced. Stay tuned for these stories and more on Alex's News. Turning to our top story today, the Supreme Court has made a pivotal decision to hear former President Donald Trump's immunity claims connected to the charges arising from the January 6 U.S. Capitol events. For a deeper look at the case and what this could mean for Trump and the political landscape, we go to our reporter, Ethan. Ethan, can you start by giving us the current state of affairs with this case? Absolutely, Grace. We're looking at a highly significant legal battle that has reached the highest court in the land. As of now, Trump faces four felony charges related to those harrowing events on January 6, 2021. However, the main contention is whether a former president can claim immunity from such charges, something the Supreme Court will have to deliberate. They've put a hold on a ruling from a lower court, which did not favor Trump's claim, and they're now preparing to speed up the process for hearing this case. Could you break down the key elements surrounding the felony charges and the debate over immunity? Certainly. The charges stem from Trump's alleged attempts to interfere with the certification of the 2020 election results, which culminated in the Capitol being stormed on January 6. Trump's defense hinges on the question of whether a sitting president's conduct, even after leaving office, can be deemed immune from criminal prosecution. They're referencing a 1982 Supreme Court decision that supported immunity in civil suits regarding official presidential duties but acknowledged that past presidents could face legal consequences for actions not related to those duties. So, what could be the potential implications or consequences, depending on the Supreme Court's decision? The implications are immense. If the Supreme Court sides with Trump, that would mean he cannot be tried on these charges, which would likely be seen as a broad protection for presidential conduct. If the Supreme Court disagrees with Trump, however, he would have to face trial during a critical time as the presidential election season heats up. Not only would this affect Trump's potential run for office, but it could also set a robust legal precedent on the extent of presidential immunity. Fascinating. Can you talk about how the Supreme Court's conservative majority and other recent decisions might influence this case? Despite the conservative majority, past decisions haven't always been favorable to Trump, adding an element of unpredictability. The justices have shown a willingness to be independent of political pressure, which means we can't assume the outcome. They must consider the balance between holding a president accountable and protecting the presidency's ability to perform its functions without undue legal distractions. Given the timing and the Supreme Court's fast-tracking, do we see potential challenges with the delayed trial? 
Yes, the trial, originally scheduled for March 4th, is on hold. If the Supreme Court requires it to proceed, we could see a drawn-out process that invades the 2024 election cycle, raising questions about fairness, the public trust in the judicial system, and the separation of powers doctrine. Certainly a case with far-reaching consequences. Thank you, Ethan, for breaking down these complex issues for our viewers. It's my pleasure, Grace. Stay with us. We'll be back with story two after this short break. Moving on to our next story of the morning. We're turning our attention to California where a crucial element could reshape the state's water future. To help us dive into this, let's bring in our news reporter, Chloe, who's been following the developments. Chloe, can you tell us about the current situation regarding stormwater in California? Absolutely, Grace. So, California is grappling with a significant challenge regarding its water resources. Every year, it's estimated that the state loses about 2.3 million acre-feet of stormwater. To put that into perspective, that's enough water to supply a quarter of the urban areas in the state. This finding comes from the Pacific Institute's analysis and points to a massive opportunity for water supply if that runoff could be captured and treated. That sounds like a considerable amount of water going to waste. Can you explain a bit about what's being done to address this issue, especially in places with a lot of runoff like Los Angeles? Certainly. So, cities like Los Angeles face high levels of runoff and are at the forefront of this issue. They have started putting systems in place to capture and reuse stormwater. However, it's not an easy fix. The process involves large-scale infrastructure projects and can be incredibly costly and complex. Moreover, while we want to capture stormwater, some water must be allowed to flow into rivers and the ocean to maintain ecosystems and wildlife. So, it's not just about capturing water but finding the right balance between conservation and resource management. That balance is crucial indeed. So what are some of the strategies being implemented, and how are they expected to improve the situation? There's a variety of strategies on the table. For instance, green infrastructure and low-impact development techniques are aimed at not just reducing runoff volume but also improving water quality and supporting healthier ecosystems. This can include using compost and mulch applications, stormwater curb extensions, and even more integrated water management approaches. Financial mechanisms and regulations like the Storm Water Grant Program and the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System, or NPDES permits, play a big part too. They encourage innovation and collaboration in managing stormwater effectively. With such a complex system, there must be huge implications for the future, right? What might those be, especially considering water scarcity issues in California? Right, Grace, the implications are indeed significant. From a supply perspective, California is focusing on groundwater recharge and expanding storage capacity. They're also investing in improving water infrastructures, such as promoting rainwater collection and advocating for best management practices in water conservation. Through initiatives like the stormwater strategy and investing in infrastructure, like permeable pavement and cisterns, the state is transforming stormwater from a fleeting challenge into a valuable resource. But there are still hurdles like rapid runoff, storage and treatment complexities, and funding constraints that need to be considered meticulously. And considering California's history with drought and water scarcity, it certainly seems like a step in the right direction. Can we expect this to influence the overall water resiliency of the state? That's the hope, Grace. By utilizing a multifaceted approach, California aims to balance the need for water resources with environmental conservation efforts. 
With continued collaboration, investment in research, and policy improvements, the state is striving to not only meet present demands but also prepare for future challenges that come with climate change and population growth. Well, it definitely sounds like California is on a path to improve its relationship with water. Thank you, Chloe, for this in-depth analysis on the stormwater situation. It's certainly a story we will continue to track closely. My pleasure, Grace. Happy to share the insights. Here are some other headlines. A series of wildfires in the Texas Panhandle has led to the Smokehouse Creek Fire becoming the second largest in Texas history. Affecting multiple counties, including Hempstead and Hutchinson, evacuation orders have been issued for towns like Canadian, and power outages have been reported. With only 3% containment, the fire has burned approximately 850,000 acres. At least one person has died, and numerous structures have been destroyed with over 1 million acre affected across the region. High winds and dry conditions have fueled the fires, but there is hope for relief with a change in weather expected later in the week. Governor Greg Abbott has declared a disaster for 60 counties, and federal aid has been requested. Operations at the Pantex plant were briefly suspended but have resumed. Imagery shows the vast scale of destruction, and red flag warnings indicate extreme caution due to further fire risks. In political news, Nikki Haley faced a significant setback in the Nevada primary, losing to none of these candidates. This result occurred despite her attempts to position herself as a strong alternative to Donald Trump in the GOP primary. Although competed in the caucuses, Trump maintained higher approval ratings than Haley in areas including leadership and ability to defeat President Biden. However, Haley continues her campaign towards the pivotal date of Super Tuesday on March 5. Discussing leap years, without this quadrennial adjustment, our yearly calendar would become misaligned with the Earth's orbit around the Sun, leading to a drift in seasonal timings. Since the Earth doesn't circle the Sun in exactly 365 days, leap years synchronize our calendar with the solar year. Without leap years, we'd notice winter gradually shifting into what are now summer months over many centuries, affecting agriculture and seasonal traditions. Leap years, which have been around since Julius Caesar's time, prevent this drift. Lastly, in terms of technology, OpenAI has unveiled Sora, a video generation tool capable of producing realistic videos quickly. Additionally, a powerful new AI model, Q, was under development, raising safety concerns, though the details on this project are limited. Meanwhile, Cristiano Ronaldo has been suspended for a match in the Saudi Pro League after making an offensive gesture during a game. He is also called to pay fines to both Al-Shabaab and the SAF. Despite this setback, Ronaldo leads the league in scoring. Please remember to stay informed and look out for updates on these developing stories throughout your day. Moving on to our third story of the morning, a fascinating development in medical science that could potentially address the dire shortage of transplant organs. Revivicor, a biotech company, is leading the way into the future of organ transplantation with the use of genetically modified pigs. Ethan, our specialist correspondent, joins us now to delve deeper into this subject. Ethan, can you first lay out the current situation for us? Certainly, Grace. At the heart of this story is Revivicor's use of advanced gene editing technology, specifically CRISPR-Sas9, 
to modify pigs in ways that make their organs more amenable for transplant into human patients. The goal here is to alleviate the immune rejections that typically occur in cross-species transplants, thereby making pig organs a viable option to fill the gap left by a shortage of human donors. It sounds like science fiction, Ethan. Can you break down these genetic modifications for us? How exactly do they enhance the safety of these transplants? Of course, Grace. The key is to trick the human body into accepting the pig organ as its own, or at least not to reject it immediately. This is achieved by deleting specific genes in the pigs that trigger a human immune response, introducing human genes that promote immune tolerance, and eliminating viruses inherently present in pigs that could cause diseases in humans. These modifications can significantly improve the chances of the transplanted organ survival in the human host. This sounds promising, but what are the possible ethical implications of using pigs in this way? That's a contentious point, Grace. There are serious ethical considerations to account for, including the treatment of these genetically modified pigs. Animal rights activists are understandably concerned about the welfare and rights of the pigs, with perspectives varying on the moral acceptability of using them for organ harvesting. Beyond that, there's also discourse around distributive justice. This includes ensuring equitable access to these technologies and balancing resources between xenotransplantation and other medical interventions. Are there any risks or concerns about infections that come from using animal organs? Indeed, that's one of the biggest worries, the potential for zoonotic infections, which are diseases that can jump from animals to humans. While the genetic modifications are designed to minimize these risks, including removing pig-native viruses like PERV, there's always a concern for the transmission of other unknown pathogens. Stringent precautions, continuous assessments, and careful post-transplant monitoring are crucial to manage this risk. With these interventions, how closely are we actually to using these genetically modified pig organs in humans? Well, their research has shown promise in trials with baboons and has even been tested in brain-dead human patients. Revivacor is actively working with the FDA and plans to establish commercial farms to be able to eventually supply these modified organs. While both ethical debates and medical concerns continue, Revivacor stresses the humane treatment of the pigs and the belief that the benefits to human health could be truly transformative. It certainly sounds like we're on the brink of a paradigm shift in organ transplantation, if these hurdles can be responsibly managed. Thank you for that comprehensive overview, Ethan. It will be interesting to see how this field progresses. Absolutely, Grace. It's a space to watch as it evolves. Thanks again, Ethan, for joining us and for shedding light on such a complex topic. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 Turbo. GPT-3.5 Turbo. The Perplexity API. And the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.